What we discovered was really a more ample as a spectrum of the reasons behind the low vaccination rates that was very particular to uh, the communities. It had to do with like historical fears. It had to do with historical trauma. Illegal immigrants, they were fearful because they were asked to put their names and their addresses and like a lot of the people also didn't have access to go to the walking appointments because they were working. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. Since early 2021, when COVID-19 vaccines were first being distributed across New York City, we've been helping our neighbors get their shots. But beyond that, we've been sharing the stories of folks who either enthusiastically or hesitantly got vaccinated. We've also shared perspectives of those in our community who decided against getting the vaccine entirely. And as vaccine mandates came into play, the debate became increasingly polarizing there still wasn't enough being done to help people understand the range of perspectives. The creators of Bring It to the People wanted to change that. Bring It to the People is a documentary that underscores the complex issues that are preventing vaccination, such as historical medical mistreatment, stigma, health literacy, and much more. And like we do at Epicenter, the film dives into communities within New York City that are underrepresented in the media. Today, Epicenter's Danielle Himes speaks with director Luis Palomino Benitez about what went into making the documentary. My name is Luis Palomino Benitez, and I'm a filmmaker from Mexico. I know what Harlem has been doing as a public health worker, and he told me that there was like a, an, a strong idea that he wanted to share with me. And when he told me what was the situation, for under-vaccinated communities in, in Southeast Queens, uh, it was really alarming and, and also fascinating as like as a research. And that pretty much brought me in to just like do a scouting trip. And that scouting trip pretty much showed me what was happening in this old, in, in these diverse communities and what was the reason behind like their low rates of vaccination that uh, they were really misunderstood by like the average like American population who believe that they were either ignorant or like fearful or resentful like there was not like a human understanding while we were doing this field research he pretty much was raising the money to produce a film I was supposed to return to Mexico and then return back to make the film but he got the number and he was like Luis we can start like next week <laughs> so that was really exciting no because like i i mean we were prepared no but like we were gonna take a break but to me it's better just like we're, we're in the moment and we were like in the the eye of the storm and it was really a, a important moment because like by that point like almost like 80 percent of the population in new york they were already almost fully vaccinated so uh, they were still struggling in, in Southeast Queens, and, and that's what pretty much brought us into this like, journey. Uh-huh. And when you started filming, around what, what time was it? What month and what year? It was November of last year. So can you talk a bit more about Bring It to the People, what you discovered while you were filming, why you think it's an important story? 
what we discover was really the well the, the we could say a more ample as a spectrum of the reasons behind the low vaccination rates that was very particular to uh, the communities it had to do with like historical fears it had to do with historical trauma like the Tuskegee experiment and how and why like african-american communities were fearful of like uh, being vaccinated we discovered also why like you know like uh, other groups like latinos like you know that they were afraid of losing like their virilidad i don't know how to say that in english but like you know like the their their sexual drive and um, each individual like older people like didn't have access or didn't knew how to manage technology illegal immigrants they were fearful because they apparently were asked to put their names and their addresses and like a lot of the people also didn't have access to go to the walking appointments because they were working and i think like in that moment we understand that it was not about like that they were like uh, not like knowing science or they were not like conscious of like what does that collective effort mean they were just pretty much like um, restricted by the own system and like the shocking thing or alarming thing to me was just like to really understand that like well we can say like one of the richest cities in the world and one of the most powerful economic centers of the world didn't have the like sensitivity to approach like this community that they really these communities that they really depend on so it's kind of like a like yeah like an oxymoron no like you praise to be like a place for like uh, information freedom and like you know to try to like accommodate everyone and like help like the masses and like you know all the speech that like comes with this culture and then you find that actually the people is not being really taken care of no and like they wanted everyone to have a smartphone and like use twitter when like a lot of these people like they don't even have smartphones or some of them they don't have access to a computer no so uh, and 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 they're part like an essential part of the of the economy so that was really to me the the shocking thing and and the neighborhood that we focused on which is called queen's village that is where epicenter did this like like magnificent effort of bringing the the vaccination ban yes uh, was like really behind everything no i mean and like and there, there was really it was hard to find a vaccine in that neighborhood and we talk with with the people uh, not too not too many because unfortunately i mean we talk with them off screen because a lot of them they were like yeah fearful and paranoid and they didn't wanted to like you know be part of the film because of the of of all the the the, the fear that's been created like along among the conspiracy theories and like the misinformation and everything but they were just telling us like uh, in a very honest way that like some of them they were just getting vaccinated because they, it was required by their bosses but they didn't had any trust even in the like uh, social workers but there was other people who were like really like that the approach from the social workers the, the public health workers uh, opened their eyes no and i think that that was also like really hopeful i mean that the whole thesis of the documentary bring it to the people is that to bring it to the people as uh, dr gonis says is to get in the community to like understand their social economic uh, cultural background their religious background and that's the only way to really create some trust and after that 
the decision of people for uh, being part of a new intervention like a vaccine is up to them, no? Okay. I'm curious, how did your experience in Southeast Queens kind of compare to what you saw going on the ground in your your home country in Mexico City? Well, I think it was very uh, shocking in the way that they, the people, uh, in that moment I was living in Quintana Roo, mm-hmm. in the state of Quintana Roo in Mexico. Uh, they, most of the people who live there, is, they are service oriented, they work for hospitality industry and they were actually they wanted the vaccine because they wanted to keep working and it was a struggle for them to find the vaccine there were some people who like believe the conspiracy theories and etc but like most of the people were they wanted the vaccine and it was not available and they had like really bad vaccines available so there was much less hesitancy in mexico but also less access to vaccines that was the the, the situation, no, and and and, the, and the, it was, I mean, like in in a way, like simple in the way that if you think that using a computer is simple, that you could just make an appointment in like any big chain in the U.S. No, to get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. But here, yes, I I felt that like people was just like they just saw it as like uh, as a procedure to keep with their lives, and they were not really questioning. A lot of the things that you saw in the struggle of of Southeast Queens, that they it was very uh, ideological and very political, and I also saw that that was part of the reason why people was also fearful. No, we we had the chance not only to see the people in Southeast Queens, but there was a rally, and they were protesting against the city uh, next to the city hall, the anti-vaxxers. And like it was, it was really shocking, you no, know, to see like that, like the there was like a whole organized group with resources, with technology, with media, like you know, with like a whole team of people to rally against vaccination and against children vaccination. So of course that affects people who could be hesitant if they see that like there's people who could be considered uh, respectable or like, you know, like celebrities or people who had like, you know, uh, positions uh, of power Mm -hmm. saying that like the vaccines were were unsafe. No, I think that here in Mexico, there wasn't that many anti-vaxxers. And then, you know, it was funny that like during that period in New York City, it was mandatory to wear the mask in the subway. Mm hmm. And we decided not to put it in, in, in the film because also we didn't have consent. But a lot of the people that I, I film in the subway, the, the, the persons, the, let's say the population who wasn't wearing the mask in the train were white male people. No? So that was like also like I, when I showed the Harlem Dr. Gunn is the footage, he was like shocked, you know, and like, wow, like, look, like all of the people who is not wearing masks are white men. And he's, it was very like uh, shocking, no, that thing that like there was a, a statement. About, yeah. Like, you know? and, and yes, like, you know, I also was like recently in Europe, uh, like presenting this film, another film. Uh, in Spain, and yeah, there's no masks anymore, except uh, except in the public transportation. But everywhere else, there are, people is not wearing masks anymore. No, and and you come back to Mexico, and everyone is wearing a mask. Right, it's interesting. And why why is it important for people to watch? Bring it to the people. Well, the, like the two important reasons, like to me, uh, is 
first to pretty much encourage people to understand the needs of their community mm -hmm. and like to also see the work of the public health workers as a respectable job that is based on hard study and like uh, and, and and is obviously in favor for the well-being of everyone and the second reason and i think it's specific to like multi-diverse places is to see that like the only way to get out of like uh, like these crises and like other crises is really to stop like uh, seeing other people not other people no i think like they have to like there need to be a, a shift in that mentality to for all of us to see that like pretty much if we live in a big city like you know even if it's not uh, as diverse like ethnically like mexico city mm -hmm. uh, we still have to understand that like everyone like from like you know like the uh, low-income neighborhoods to the rich neighborhoods we are all a big community and we have to really have that feeling among each other because it's the only way that we can really survive as humanity and i think that like there's that in the film you know we show like how all these people who is working uh, all these public health workers they have different backgrounds no like uh, dr garnes he's from uh, trinidad uh, mitra uh, she's from south asia uh, dr massey who is from like italian background or white uh, and uh, etc no like uh, dr jonathan who is like latino and the idea is that all of these are like individuals who really care about the community and uh, as other people as if they were their people and i think like that's that was to me very remarkable to understand that that is to me the real cosmopolitan way of being is not just like to have access to wood from everywhere else in the world is to really like understand other cultures and treat other cultures as your culture daniel also spoke with producer dr harlem gunnis Dr. Gunnis is the Director of Public Health at St. John's University. My name is Dr. Harlem Gunnis. I am the Director of the Public Health Program at St. John's University. I oversee the program operations, um, and I'm also an Associate Professor. And part of the work that I do is also to come up with innovative research and or interventions to really help populations that are underserved. And one of the things that we developed was a COVID vaccine education campaign. Before I get into uh, go into that in depth, um, prior to my assignment here at St. John's University, uh, I was with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention uh, for a number of years stationed between New York quarantine station and Newark quarantine station. So a lot of my experience has been on the, I've been on the federal level uh, looking at how we respond to an outbreak or a pandemic and working with the state and local health departments as well as with hospitals. So. I spoke to Louise and he said that the two of you had been kind of in touch for a long time trying to figure out what could be the basis of one of his films. And then you came to him with this idea that ended up being Bring It to the People. So through your outreach in New York City, like, when did you realize that there was a story to be told? 
Uh, that's actually a very good question. I've always realized through my experience working on the federal level, the state level, on the local level, that there's been a consistent challenge, if you will, or a consistent gap, a consistent lack of awareness and the inability to really bring resources together has been consistent throughout my career. And it was sort of when all the stars line up where, you know, I'm at a position in my life where I have this sort of this autonomy and can generate the type of revenue that was needed to really bring these issues to light. And, you know, you see it, you know, you hear it covered in the media, you, you do have uh, articles about it, but I wanted to really bring the essence of the experience to life and highlight, you know, the perspective of patients and look at it in a non-judgmental way. Just really understand, look at the patient for who they are. And quite often we get so consumed with our drive, our mission, our practice, and we lose sight of who they are as a patient and as a community and who they represent. Um, I also wanted to highlight what it really takes for medical professionals, community leaders, Epicenter, what it took. It took someone like Epicenter, who is not really a traditional public health planner. Right. Or, uh, and, and I really wanted to highlight that. That is genius. And then as New York City and Epicenter kind of transitions from COVID to monkeypox, are there many lessons that can be applied from one to the other? And do you see them being applied already? Absolutely, without a doubt. So there is an art to understanding the community. So right now, what we're dealing with, what we're seeing with monkeypox, it's among, primarily among men who have sex with men, understanding that community. Why is it that this is, is occurring in this specific community? And how is it, how can we really get into the community to first educate them, inform them, provide the services to them? Now, a key thing is vaccination. And we know with a lot of underserved communities, specifically communities of color, they are, there's a lot of mistrust and historic mistreatment of many of these communities by the federal government. And the, it's the government that has the vaccines available to our patients and those that are vulnerable and at risk for monkeypox. So how do you tap get into that these communities to convince them to take this vaccination? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's very similar to what we experience, you know, uh, very similar backlash as well. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar, I'm, I'm the board president and chair of a small not-for-profit um, LGBTQ homeless center. And uh, what we're experiencing now is, you know, some of these challenges as well. I mean, thankfully, we have a terrific program director who is able to really work and convince the patients that the vaccine is effective and can really help them and save their lives. But you're still going to have pushback, especially with a novel or new uh, and this is not new as you know for those of us who are in the you know in the field mm -hmm. but for the perception that it's new right how do you then convince them that it's not new number one and the vaccination works 
This was incredibly helpful. Is there anything I didn't ask you about your experience or bring it to the people that you think is important and would like to share? The, the importance of, the, you know, the more and more I think about the video um, or the documentary, I should say, the more and more I am beginning to um, see it as a learning tool. As public health practitioners, we are in the field, you know, trying to really make a difference to bring change in our communities. And sometimes we sort of lose sight of who we're dealing with and how we're dealing with them. And, you know, there's been a push, a push, vaccine, vaccine, vaccinate, vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. And, and, that, and that's wonderful for those who want to get vaccinated. And it's terrific for the medical professionals and public health professionals who are able to really tap into the communities like we did in Southeast Queens and get more folks vaccinated. But we have to be realistic that there are some folks who will not get vaccinated under any circumstances. And I think we need to understand that not necessarily to force them or make them feel manipulated or compelled to get vaccinated, but we need to understand, okay, if you don't want to get vaccinated, what are the conditions that you have that may put you at risk for severe illness or death from COVID-19? And explore with these patients or with these communities, how can we help you to improve your health or to manage these conditions in the event you do not want to get vaccinated? And I think that is the key. We have to find that balance. Okay, you don't want to get vaccinated, fine. So I've given you tons of information. I've spoken to you, you've met with me over and over again. I'm not gonna twist your arm, I'm not gonna force you, it's fine. So how do we move forward with that? And I think that that is one of the key message that needs to really be spread out there. You can view Bring It to the People online August 31st through September 6th. To get access and check out the trailer, click the link in our show notes. For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.